Hi. <laughs> Hello. How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. It's been it's been a while. It's been over a year. Yes. So the gentleman that you're listening to is Sean. Sean and I began working on McMayhem, the podcast, I don't know, 17 months ago. It fe- I mean, it feels both like it's been 17 months, five years, and also kind of the blink of an eye. simultaneously you know and that 17 months was for an obvious reason you know we were getting going and the world shut down and i think we were both sad that the momentum that we had started to build with our podcast was paused and so um i just got dumped not too long ago and i think that the extra space in my life is going to go towards making this podcast and also making the world laugh and everyone know that I exist, that my hair is, uh, is new. I have a brand new haircut, a brand new lease on life and a cat named Oreo that me and my son found in the building or behind the building that, that I live in. So, um, so I'm currently getting eaten alive at night by a five month old cat that I still need to get his balls taken off. Sorry, because um, it's time. Which is a crazy concept if you think about it, that, you know, you're born with balls as an animal, right? And then at some point it's logical or someone was like, well, that cat's crazy. We should probably get rid of those reproductive organs, right? I mean, as an animal, that's fucked up. You know what I mean? (laughs) Do you think any cat parent, like an actual, you know parent to a kitten at some point as a cat is like you know steve's a little fucked up we should we should get rid of his balls but no i i I, at some point we arrived at that based on i guess research chemistry and and maybe even just boredom you know i was just thinking maybe it's like um you know they did it so that the cat wouldn't reproduce but they realized that as a side effect it was more docile they were like oh now he's chilled out too okay yeah, it's kind of like a lower body lobotomy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or it's like electroshock. I wonder if electroshock therapy would work the same down there too. It would would it just make you less crazy? Probably not. I don't know. But anyway, so uh, Sean and I are are back in business. We're going to be doing this podcast a couple of times a month. And see how it goes, but we're gonna do it a little differently. We're gonna at some points hit the street and speak to people, and you know get some really insightful information from some strangers, because strangers are, I guess, at the end of the day, my business. Anyway, so yeah, we're gonna hit the street. I love being in the street. I love walking around the street and meeting people all day, every day, at the Argo station. At the uh, at the Arco at the Arco station at the pool at the gym, everything in between there. There are people everywhere that are going through life too, which means they have their own set of thoughts, and I want to get some of those thoughts and give them to you, right? So yeah, this is McMahon, which was also originally a street comedy show that was on a platform called My Damn Channel like 10 years ago where I would just kind of go out and not mess with people 
I would annoy people in the street. I would do all kinds of like weird things like open cans of tuna sitting next to someone at a bus stop, right? And and try and get their reaction or like wear a wig and like fall asleep at a salon. Or I would, I started this. Anyone, any video you saw of anyone doing this, I started it. Where you go up or down an escalator and you have your hand on the opposing rail so that it can graze another person's hand and they can't do anything about it because they're either going down or up. That video's online. It's called, it's, it's called Situation Escalate. Just Google McMahem Situation Escalate and it'll, it'll come up out of, out of the internet ether. What uh, what drew you to doing uh, th- these public videos? What drew me to it? Um, my dad was a very social person in public. You know, he was the kind of person that where I would be in a car with him and someone would pull up next to him and ask him if he had any Grey Poupon, the mustard that was like a commercial that was from the 80s and 90s. And he would say stuff like, I have none of that, but I can poop on you. Like, And I was like five years old and he would say these things. Alternatively, my father would also have me walk with him down a nude beach that was adjacent to like the public beach in New York and have me rate different naked people. I was like nine. He also led me to believe at a very young age that I was a member anywhere I wanted to be a member, any door I wanted to walk into, any store, restaurant, mall, that when I was born, he paid a universal fee to allow me to be a member everywhere. And so I, I, I developed a sense of... It was an, it was actually an odd sense of, I developed an odd sense of belonging but that was also attached to the fact that I very much also didn't belong like I my peers thought that I was quite strange and to be honest with you I was you know I say to my cat and I say to my son man you're weird and that's a compliment right that just means that you have a different set of personality traits than everyone else and that you're very unique you know there are words that you learn as a child such as the word special you know that gets pegged onto the word education and before you know it it's a derogatory thing but that word is special special is a good word special means that you are different that you are better that you have a superpower to an extent right and there's so many words like that that you're just indoctrinated with thinking mean negative things, but they're not. So I'm weird. Yes. And I am special. Yes. And I am Matt McManus. Yes. And I'm looking for the other special people out there. And I also had a lot of social anxiety growing up, right? I, you, my mom would want to go to like the mall or the carnival or even to go see like the fireworks show on the 4th of July, wherever there was a large group of people you would find me somewhere hiding in the shadows, right? And then as I got older, I started to embrace that fear and I wanted to get on the other side of it. I wanted to become, I had to become a different version of me, a hyperbolic, confident, wild man, right? And and in doing that, I found that I had a unique way to connect to not just one person, but many people. I made these videos in New York as this character called the Chad when I was like 23 years old, where I would just talk to, 
I would just talk to random people in the street as this character. I did, went to like the American Idol auditions in the U.S. Open and tried to play tennis. And I, and I did all of these things as this character that I created actually when I was a child to get past the fact that I was actually scared of people. And so the fear and the confidence met at some point and created this like magic combination. And I haven't spent a lot of time doing anything like that in a very long time because of the pandemic. So there's a, there's a common theme or, or philosophy that I'm noticing, which is, you know, owning these things that in, in other places might be considered stigmatized and also just facing your fears. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a good against the grain philosophy that I, that I'm catching on to that I appreciate. There's a rapper by the name of Russ. He's probably like 27 years old. He's from Georgia and he's not just a rapper. He wrote a book that really guides people through getting on the other side of their fear. And he says that there's truth, the truth, not just truth. The truth is on the other side of fear. If you have fear of anything, you know, go for it. Anxiety is also another form of fear. And so I have learned that if you literally befriend your anxiety, that doesn't mean be like, Hey man, I love you anxiety. It just means like sit next to it, get to know it. So you can have an intimate relationship with it. So you could be thoughtful enough to get, through it, you know, because it's not really going to go anywhere. Fear doesn't disappear. It just morphs, right? That's Mm -hmm. what all emotions do. Sadness morphs into into, into fear. Fear can morph into anger. Anger can morph into joy. It's all interconnected. You can't hate something without first loving it. You can't love something without having all of the other emotions involved. And I think that fear is the is the root of a lot of, is of all the world's problems. Every problem you can think of is, is revolving around, around fear. And in order to become present, they say you have to strike your fear as well as your ego from the equation, right? And every self-help book says these things. Every single one of them's like, embrace your fear and get rid of your ego. And your ego, if you're listening and you haven't really done a lot of the work in regards to that concept, it's just anytime you walk into a room, scroll on Instagram or LinkedIn, and you hear someone or see something that makes you feel less or more than that person, place, or idea, that's your ego talking, right? And it's completely fictitious. That's what they say. And this is a new concept that I've kind of been embracing. It's like, if you think about your ego for a second, when it's engaged, it makes you think it makes you, your, when your ego's engaged, it makes you hyper aware of your peers and your surroundings, right? But it also, then it uses kind of evil as a tactic. But if you have done the work on your fear and have you've done the work on your purpose, which is a, the, every one of these things are books worth of information. But if you get past all of those other levels, you can start using your ego for good. You can use it to connect to everyone around you. You know, so I do this weird thing that when my ego gets engaged or even enraged, I, I, I take a breath, I close my eyes, I picture myself from a bird's eye view in the situation that I'm in. And I, and I, I look at it like it's a Sims video game and I see the, all the other people in the room around me. I cl- take another deep breath and then I imagine, and this is gonna sound a little weird, but like I said, I'm a weird guy. I imagine that there's a laser in my heart 
that connects to every other heart in the room. And then I, I open my eyes and say, what's the story now? I'm inside the story. It's not just me. It's everyone. But I've, I'm aware, like my ego was the trigger that got me to the place of interconnecting with everyone and everything around me. And I call all of this, and I wrote about it in my last piece on Medium, the name of the piece is A Contemporary Guide to uh, Infinite Simultaneousness, <laughs> right? It's, it's crazy to even say those words in succession with one another, considering the person that moved to Los Angeles 11 years ago who thought that anyone who meditated or did yoga or talked about their feelings was weak. That's that's kind of a, a East Coast idea, though. You know, it's kind yeah, of yeah, like shut up and do it to poo-poo the the New Age or hippie lifestyle. My dad does it to me all the time. My, my dad's <laughs> got like knee problems, back problems, tr emotional trauma issues that he's never really worked through because he's sixty eight, sixty seven years old, and his generation just lived. You know, they just lived. Yeah, so they just dealt with it. You know, I was like, Dad, maybe you should try. Waking up and framing the way that you think differently in the morning. And your life will change. The, your physical issues will change. And uh, he didn't listen to everything that I said, but I did give him some turmeric pills. And, <laughs> and, and it's helping with the inflammation in his spine. And I think that that's how you change a narrative, a mind, a moment. Incrementally. Everything I just said well, is massive. There's just, I mean, I spent the last five years researching all that stuff and now I'm here. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm in a position in my life right now where, you know, that phrase, you have a plan and God laughs at that plan because it's not your plan. Right. And people will shy away from the concept of like talking about God, but God is real. Like if all the thoughts that you're having in your brain, right? How the voice that you're hearing when you're thinking, that's not really your voice. What is that? You know what I'm saying? That's something else. If it's not magic, then it's God. And if it's not God, then it's magic. So whatever it is, it's some kind of thing that's informing you about your existence, right? It reminds me of, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson, right? Yeah. He, uh, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about thoughts and just the idea that uh, you're not necessarily thinking all your thoughts, but you're having a conversation. It's a two-way thing. So it's... it's yeah. Like and um, one thing I've been working on lately is, is mindfulness, right? So again, another like Los Angeles new age self-help <laughs> buzzword that I've kind of indoctrinated into my my day to day. And, and it's simple, it's, but hard to do. And what it is, is realizing that you're having thoughts and then analyzing them. Cause there are two kinds of thoughts. There are useful thoughts and there are unuseful thoughts. And I think that we take a lot of time on unuseful thoughts that then spiral into a problem, right? And make issues for ourselves that don't exist, which turn into back problems, which turn into knee problems, which mm -hmm. manifested as, as time goes on with age, you know, and, and this, to bring it all back to my dad, the man who taught me to embrace life as if it were a cartoon. I don't think he was intentionally doing that. I just think that's who he was. And he was inadvertently or directly creating this, this person you're listening to right now, but starting there and ending there 
is a good thing. I think that like the concept of a father is something that we should, or a parent or a caregiver is something we should all embrace. And the, and people or children that lack thereof, of any of those things, I don't want to say are at a detriment, but what I want to say is we should be aware that they are a different kind of person than us and that they should learn a, uh, the, the way they accept love is different than how we've been taught to accept love. And so that's another concept of about strangers. Like everyone's existence is different. Mine's existence is different than yours and so on and so forth. And the guy that's downstairs fixing the plumbing in my building or the veterinarian that is going to chop my cat's balls off. Like they're, everyone's experience is different and we should be mindful that there are people all around us having uh, either a good or a bad day or having a mediocre day or having a rough month, or having the best day of their life. And all of these things are make up the story. They just make up the story. Not my story, our story, right? And so, and our story has changed. Like, the movie's not over yet, but it's been a wild ride, and I'm down to... That's another reason why I wanted to do this podcast. It's like, we were all snakes, and we got a new skin now, right? Maybe, if this thing is really, you know, it may or may not be over soon, but it's definitely in, like, another act, right? Where you and I are here again, right? Mm -hmm. And so, that's it. But you're vaccinated, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> I should have asked you that before. Maybe we even covered that. But anyway, um... But yeah, I had to talk to an ex-girlfriend of mine yesterday that from like when I was 25, who was like from New York and against the vaccine for A, B and C reasons. And I convinced her that it was a good idea and that she should do some research. But there are, you know, there's a lot of interspecies differentials right now. I feel like there is a divide, but also a unity taking place. And I feel like one creates the other. And I feel that there are children everywhere that's, that are going to need a rule book in case this ever happens again and then when they're adults. And it's up to us because they're looking up for answers to effortlessly provide those answers with action. And, I, and, and I've kind of made it my personal mission to make some of those answers more accessible as a parent, as a man, as a Los Angelino, as, and, uh, as Matt McManus, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to maintain these thoughts. It's hard to be so selfless. It's hard to not be selfish. It's hard to not feel in lieu or in spite of, or because of unuseful thoughts because of your ego. And so these are things that like the second you step out of your house, you should be aware of like a soldier is aware that something may happen when they enter a field. And you should have tactics in which to get through, get by and teach. And I'm always learning, you know, I'm always, do you hear that? Oh no, we're yeah. good. I'm oh, just okay. checking the camera. Oh, okay. So, that's that's where I'm I guess that's where I'm at. You know, I I'm people ask me what I do for a living and if you look at my biography on my LinkedIn, right? There's a lot of great stuff on there. But what I also tell people that all that stuff happened 
far apart from one another. The bullet points of my resume are filled with spaces of of fear and of doubt and of wondering and of wanting and of, uh, you know, imposter syndrome. It's like, oh man, I'm I, when there's the when more space prevails. You tend to revert back to how you used to feel because you feel like you might have taken a couple of steps back, but that's not the case. That space exists because the universe is providing some way of you to learn what to do inside the next chapter, right? And because we're all in our story, the next chapter gets provided to you very, very randomly sometimes. And so... The downtime, it shouldn't be downtime. And I'm not saying be the busiest beaver in the lake. What I'm saying is utilize the space between what most people would call successes. I would just call it being being busy and being you. Utilize it to the best of your ability so that you can grow, right? And I definitely sound like a 40-year-old man, right? I just definitely do. If, you, if, a, a tw- if 20-year-old Matt McManus were listening to this, he would say, shut up, Matt. You know, go, go bench press for a little bit. Or, you know, let's, let's go drink a couple of Bud Lights and see what, how many walls we can paint. I mean, it's just, I, I was a wild man then, but I'm a different kind of wild man, right? Like, I used to go to Starbucks, and every time someone would ask me my name, I would say a different one. It would be Steve or Greg or Gary or Stephanie, you know. I used to be a tour guide at Disney World, and I would take people, 40 people down a guided tour through their animation studio in Disney World, and I would introduce myself as, like, Stephanie, and then I would have to reintroduce myself, like, four or five more times, and I would always change the name. And I would have to sit them down in a movie theater to watch a movie about animation, but I would say on the microphone, this is a four-hour documentary about the African poison dart frog, and the lights would dim, and they'd be like, what? (laughs) You know? I, I was raised by a man that was an architect of a cartoon that I, I guess now am the mayor of. And I, that cartoon was bright for a long time, like bright meaning neon, in order to get attention. And now the cartoon is very, I would say, opaque. Oh yeah, it, you can turn it. Oh, I can turn. Yeah, I I would say that it's opaque. I would say that they're neutral colors. I would say that they are just vivid but grounded. I I'm I've become who I am, and that is ever changing. But my voice is pretty. My voice at this point at forty is pretty thoughtful and ready to keep going. You know, and I need. I need to learn more. I need to do more. But I also feel very calm about life in a way that I never have before. And I'm ready to just be me and see what happens. Back then, I was just like trying to be nails on a chalkboard, loud, annoying, for the sake of getting attention because I needed it, because I didn't get it the way that I needed it for a very long period of time. And I think a lot of people that or on stage, have some level of that in their life, right? And, or did, and you're trying to fill that void. And I filled it in various ways for a very long period of time. I mean, I, I've done everything in entertainment at this point, and I've had a lot of girlfriends, and I've 
drank a lot of beer and I've written a lot of stories and I've written a lot of songs and I've been on a bunch of television shows. But like the thing is like what I'm talking about, who I am, what I bring to the table, the magic inside of me is not fully formed, but it's definitely it's definitely in the oven and it's going to be ready to, to eat on a weekly basis here on McMahem, the podcast with Matt McManus, you know, and Sean is kind of going to be like the Rory or the, from the Joe button podcast or, or that guy who's just Young you Jamie. Know, he's Jamie. He's Jamie. <laughs> and you know, he's a, he's a dude from Utah with a dream in his pocket, looking to turn it into an exclamation point. But I think that that's what I was doing, right? I was turning my question marks into exclamation points for a long period of time, Sean. And now I just want to make ellipses everywhere. I want mm. the story to continue forever. There's no destination here. The, 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 the final destination is, is nowhere in sight. You know, We're at the corner of the cross streets of first and foremost, and we're going to go to somewhere and everywhere. And... There's no telling who's going to be standing in the street between point A and point B, but there'll definitely be something to learn. Yeah, I mean, all, all we know is like we're moving forward with faith and we know we're in the right direction, but it's hard to know exactly what that destination looks like. But there's a there's a feeling of faith and confidence that, that it's the right direction. Agreed, my friend. And faith and fear are equally fictitious. Right, you can't touch either of them, but you build a lot with one, effortlessly, right? Without doing anything, just having faith, you're building something positive, effortlessly, and you destroy everything with the other, right? So why not? If you if there are two kind of principles that you can be guided by, fear or faith, why not lead or go with the one that builds, and that's. That's what I'm. That's that's what I continue to do. It's, today's Monday. I woke up today. I put a, the number ten on my forehead, and I said, "I'm I'm excited to hang out with Sean and get the ball rolling on this because there's some goods inside of me that I just don't want to give around sporadically. I want to plant seeds that grow into sunflowers that smell like golden brilliantness." <laughs> Golden brilliantness. I like that. Matches your golden hair. <laughs> yeah, man. My hair's golden. I, 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 I'm a ginger or I'm a strawberry blonde. You know, I have a unique color of hair. Was it, it, was it more red when you were younger? Yeah, it's more red in general. My beard is more red too, if you can tell. But I, uh, uh, I, uh, uh, I'm in the sun all the time. I'm in the sun all the time, and the sun turns your hair more blonde. And so that's that's why my hair is more blonde. Um, you know, I, I I listened to Andrew Santino. Are you familiar? Mm -hmm. He's uh, so I was just because he he was recently talking about you know growing up redhead, and I was just wondering if you have any experience with that, if that informed you know who you are, or helped you have to overcome fears, or huh. You know what's funny? I'm from Long Island, right? So most of the people on Long Island, most, right, at least for in, in my hometown, were Irish or oh, true. Italian or Jewish. And there were very few minorities in my hometown. 
only a couple that I can remember, at least in my graduating high school class. Having red hair on the East Coast in that part of the East Coast is kind of not a big deal. It's not a, it's not abnormal. Now, I'm not a ginger ginger. There are like gingers out there that have like, you know, some some real red hair. You know, and they say I forget. There's some like statistics or some kind of theory that people with red hair can't be psychologically evaluated for some reason. I think Freud might have said that. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Uh, I've definitely been psychologically evaluated. <laughs> so, and and it's it's pretty damn near accurate. Uh, but having red hair, I come from a family. I come from a family of four. I have a twin sister. We all have this this hair color. So I was surrounded by a family of people. We were the Weasleys, <laughs> right? And we all had our, ma our own magic power. You know, we still do in many ways, shapes, or forms. Seriously. My brother's a lawyer who's a war hero who was a federal employee for a while. I mean, the guy is he's a, he's a novel walking around, and he's completely humble. My twin sister is a special education teacher. My little sister... Her story's incredible, too, and I'd rather just have her as a guest on this podcast at some point because it would blow your freaking mind, but she's great, and then there's me, crazy Uncle Matt out in Los Angeles, just trying to make the world... I used to say shit like, I want to make the world a better place or a brighter place, but like everyone fucking says that. I just want to make it different, or I want people to under... I want people to understand that difference cool yep. all the way to ha like, all the way to having a different color hair like dyeing your hair like blue green or orange which is what i did in high school like trying different things out helps you arrive at the person you will ultimately become which is always obviously changing but you do kind of become some kind of baked good and that's kind of like i said where i'm 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 approaching that and I'm very comfortable with how me as this baked good smells at this point in time. Which, by the way, I used natural deodorant for a month. I felt good about my health, but no one in the room felt good about the way I smelled. Because I, I mean, it doesn't work. I mean, I'm sure there's one out there that might, but I don't think that like, they understand my level of sweat and they understand my level of stress and that they understand that my armpits are as unique as my brain. So I had to revert back to Old Spice and I'm, I'm apologizing to 50 or 60 year old Matt if that provides any level of discomfort or illness. But right now, as a single man, I need my armpits to smell top notch. Because you're not going to bring this head of hair, this face, and these muscles out into the world if they smell bad, right? So there's that. I'm, I'm going back to Old Spice, and I apologize to my future self for any harm that I'm about to do or that I've done or that I'm, go uh, that I'm doing about that. And that's my story about having red hair. <laughs> Well, going back to, to fear, I wanted to know your thoughts about the, the kind of softening of like this new generation of kids and like trying to make everything acceptable for them. And but I but I think it's like you like you were saying earlier, it's OK to be uncomfortable and feel fear and kind of work through that and not shield people from that. Right. I mean, right. Exactly. Feel? I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. So I have a lot of friends that run companies and that have employees that are, you know, 
I don't use the word millennial that much. I, I really don't. It's not applicable to my life. I, I don't I, I don't like making more genre of people, although you have to make generations like, you know, I am part of Generation X. I get that. But I, I, I feel like making more to explain, making more genres and subcategories to explain overcomplicates the possibility of connecting people. That's it, right? And it just kind of provides judgments that are unnecessary, I think. Anyway, but people say about millennials that run companies that like they can't, it's not reprimanding, but critique. For example, like I had this friend who runs a company and he said someone that works for him never closes the door when they go in or out of the room, of any room, even the front door to the building. And he had to take this person aside and be like, hey, can you, can you close the door when you, when you walk in and out of the room? And the kid got offended, right? And that's just one example, right? Now, fear is different. And I guess you, what you're asking is if people are coddling the youth and hindering their, their growth. Because you got to be comfortable with a certain amount of that in life. You know, you can't expect everything to conform to your, you know, what makes you comfortable all the time. Sure, man. I get it. My parents got divorced when I was 14 years old, and the six years that led up to that that I was cognizant of was torture, right? And so I learned at a very young age that there was darkness in the world, right? And I, that's when I went deep into my cartoon, when I would just put shows on for my stuffed animals in my room and write things down and hide them under my bed and sneak eat things everywhere to make me feel better. We start doing things that help navigate these pains this pain that we're, that sometimes we feel as a child. And we have to acknowledge that children are exposed to pain, right? Which is also a direct relative to fear. They're not even direct relatives. They're Siamese twins. They're real. They're the same exact thing. They're the same exact thing. My son is in a school where they're teaching something called SEL, which is an acronym for social emotional learning, where they are helping children diagnose their feelings. That's awesome. When I was in school, I took home economics class. I learned how to make an omelet, right? <laughs> First thing I did, I still make great omelets, right? But I think as a youth, you should be teaching emotional economics. You should have successful and unsuccessful couples come in and talk to the youth. You should have people that have been dealt specific kinds of hardships come in and explain that. Not in a way to scare anybody, but just to explain the realities of existing, right? Batman was able to fight crime because he understood the darkness in the shadows. And he was shielded from pain until something tragic happened to him. And so what do we do when that tragedy happens? You know? But fear can also create false tragedy in your head. You can make a problem so big in your head that you feel like the world is going to crash around you. And that's something we certainly have to change about what we do with children. Because if we don't change that now, it'll never get changed. And if you can't change one child, you can't change any child. Uh, what I'm trying to say is if you can't change how we teach the children to manage their feelings, then the world will never change, right? Mm -hmm. The key word here is empathy. And that's something parents must instill in their child from birth. No, from conception. 
you have to be empathetic to your partner. You have to be empathetic to your peers. You have to listen to empathetic music. You have to understand things. You have to watch Goodwill Hunting 10 times. Like you have to do all of these things while you have a child in utero so that when that child gets born, is born, you can continue teaching that child. They say your child will know empathy if you teach it appropriately officially by the time that they are five. My ex girl my recent ex-girlfriend, after two weeks after being broken up, texted me in the middle of the night last night that she wants to talk. And so all of my friends are, are weighing in about what's what what's go what's going on here. And the reality is the relationship is over and things end. Right? That's another thing to understand is that things end. And there's a line in one of my songs about divorce that says, just because things end, that doesn't mean we lose, right? Things end, and they don't, it doesn't always feel great, but you can only start a new chapter if one has just ended. And we mostly don't have any control of that. The chapters we have control over, sort of, yeah, hey, do you wanna marry me? That's a chapter. I'm, I'm, do you wanna buy this house? Yeah, that's a chapter. Are we gonna have kids? Absolutely, that's a real chapter. All that other stuff is kind of just superficial. Having a child is internal. Making a child is internal. And it would, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just heard a quote recently. It might have actually been on Dave, but he's, he said, like, I'd rather live a life full of um, failures than what ifs. You know, at least I tried kind of, kind of idea. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My friend is looking, was looking for a job like in the tech world recently. Like he's a person whose resume is very impressive and it's a hard market right now to get a job in for anyone in his shoes, especially during a pandemic. And he got rejected from one of the positions that he worked really hard to get. And he, it set him off for like three weeks, maybe more. Mm. I mean, I've been an actor. I've been working in Hollywood. I hear, I've heard the word no so many times, and I've heard it in a lot of different languages. I've heard it in a lot of different inflections. I mean, it's almost like the word no has been skywritten in front of me when I leave the doors of my building sometimes, right? And it, but it's the s- stuff that you do in between the no's and the yeses that define what the new chapters will look like in your life. And maybe take that no as just a not now. Sure. Yeah. Not now. Or like I, I lost a job once on television because I refused to do something that made me uncomfortable and would have potentially definitely made someone else feel uncomfortable in a, in a negative way. And I refused to do it. I lost that job. Mm. It was my dream job. My absolute dream job. At least I thought it was. And I thought, I thought my career was over. You know, I thought my agent was going to drop me. I thought my manager was going to drop me. I thought that my girlfriend was going to drop me. I thought that my friends were going to drop me. I mean, I, something I'd worked for for 20 years, 15 years, I got something very specific. I thought it was over. You know, I, I, I kind of in some way threw the towel, and that was 10 years. That was seven years ago. The fact that I've been able to bounce back from that point and get to where I'm at right now is incredible. Because back then I was leading with my ego. Back then I was doing everything to prove my dad wrong, my hometown wrong, the people who used to kick the shit out of me when I was a kid wrong. I was leading with that energy. 
which I got to be honest with you. Like if you listen to rap music, that energy keeps rap potent and real. Like, you know, it's, that's when it's, I guess in some way useful artistically to me, right? Cause I make rap music, but now that I'm here and I'm not leading with that, where I don't have all of that bullshit attached to me or my art or my thoughts, I'm the best. Like I'm, this is the best version of me you're ever going to get. Right. And like I said, I just got broken up with two weeks ago by like a beautiful, beautiful, kind person because it just wasn't right. Things end, but we didn't lose. Right. Mm-hmm. But I have enough experience in this arena to somewhat apply lessons I had learned previously to now. And one thing I've realized in the last two weeks of dealing with this current situation and these pains and these fears is that, holy shit, there are people everywhere that have feelings like me, that I'm driving by, that I'm seeing in traffic, sitting at a bus stop, on their phones. They're, I mean, who knows what happened to them, especially during or after this pandemic. And we're all mourning the loss of a life that we were once living. And we are all in this next chapter, our story together. So connect the laser in your heart to mine and so on and so forth. And we'll make this a really cool rave. (laughs) We'll make it a party that everybody wants to join. Yeah. And that's what this (laughs) podcast is. And we'll have guests. For sure. We'll definitely have guests on this podcast. We will hit the bricks, so to speak. We'll go to the park. We'll go to Hollywood and Highland. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll go to the goddamn ocean. But we'll, we'll have some fun. And, and yes, everything that I'm talking about is serious to an extent, but I'm very serious about being funny, and I'm very funny about being serious. Sometimes that makes taking in information easier, you know, when you're talking about serious subjects, if it's presented in a certain way. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of my music is our lessons wrapped in a silly wrapping paper. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, if there are just, yeah, that's just, that's what I do. I am a, I am a, I am a, encyclopedia of specific lessons to me that I find valuable to me and hopefully others that is wrapped with wrapping paper that has poop on it. Uh, your metaphors. <laughs> like, where does They're metaphors. <laughs> <They're> me- <laughs> yeah. So you, you had me uh, come prepared with a couple of questions. Sure. <laughs> if you'd like. Um, if you could broadcast anything to the entire world like an amber alert on their phone or their tv and it could be as long as you wanted or whatever what would uh what would you use oh, that to do shit, man. would um, it be a would it be like a rick roll would it be a prank would it be a, a, a wow. message that's an incredible would it just question. be like a movie like <laughs> i don't know i mean okay if we're go if we're going to the through line oh, oh, wow this is a great question <laughs> Be you, period. Be okay, period. That's like the universal, like, just be yourself. Like, But arriving there takes some work. But be you, be okay. I would say that that is something that I would like for people to understand. Because you're, you're taught that sometimes it is not okay to be who you are. 
And I feel like that is a huge detriment to happiness universally. But I also am a silly man. So, shit, I'm going to have to get back to you. I mean, that's, right. that's, an, that's an incredible question. Because I, I, uh, I, I don't know if it would be a video message. I don't know if it would just be an, an audio message. Like, people ask me what my superpower would be. And I would say, I don't want to be invisible. I don't want to be able to fly. I want to be able to have the power to touch my temple of my forehead and be able to have control over loudspeakers at like stadiums or like in schools or, you know, at a, uh, anywhere really at a supermarket. I used to, you know, so that's what I want to be able to do. Like I used to like sneak it to, uh, into Applebee's and be like, we got a table for Bruce on the loudspeakers <laughs> there. You know, uh, we got to spill on aisle five, but I don't, I, I would want to have that ability, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Someone took a massive diarrhea in the stall of the third floor bathroom. Can everyone please come in here and take a picture of it? It is miraculous. You know, just Steve on the third floor up there. Stop picking your nose. I, I, I don't have an answer to that question. Jesus Christ, that is a... It'll come to you. What about... Um, okay, here's, here's another one. Aliens came to Earth and they said they were going to destroy the planet unless we showed them a song that blew their minds. What song would you show them? <laughs> Jesus. Um, what song would blow their minds? Eiffel 65, I'm blue. <laughs> Just kidding. Holy, you know, that's, that's actually a wonderful answer. <laughs> I had more time to think about it. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, oh, I'm a Barbie girl. I would say... I mean, blow their minds. Doesn't mean it's the best song ever. I'm too sexy. I'm too sexy <laughs> for my shirt. I mean, you play that like play them the video for that song. Like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, they need what the is, visual content. Like that video's crazy, by the way. I <laughs> uh, blow their minds. I would play them. <laughs> there's a there's like an, a song or an interlude or the, an intro to a Wu Tang Clan song from the Thirty Six Chambers where mm. they like talk about how they're gonna torture other people. <laughs> he's like, a, and there's this one part of it. He's like, I'm gonna sew so your asshole, asshole clothes, clothes and keep feeding you and feeding you and feeding you. That's what I would do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would I would play I would play that song I would play that song for them. And then, you know what? Mariah Carey's song with Old Dirty Bastard. Uh, oh, what is that? Sweet, sweet, fantasy. Fantasy, babe. Fantasy is the name of the song. Uh, uh, and if I wanted to, like, I would say, like, listen, if you listen to Radiohead's OK Computer, the whole thing will blow your mind, right? But I don't know if it would be, like, considered to be revolutionary to an alien, right? Well, that's what I was thinking is what would aliens be considered good? Would they want to hear classic music? Would they be interested in pop or, like, you know? Folky music. What, what would blow their minds? I don't know. If, well, there's music. If we could that, give them a genre, if they could give us a genre, maybe we could come up with a better. Well, the scientific answer is there is music that can really blow their minds. There's a song that where your hair and like your brain stand up when it when you hear a certain part of the song. It's called uh, I think it's called apotheosis. Or it's, uh, I've, I've, I actually researched this recently. And like there's a point in the song that anyone who listens to it, you feel like you're having an orgasm. 
interesting. And in, it's you've heard it before. When the notorious B.I.G. passed away and Puff Daddy did a performance of I'll Be Missing You at the MTV Video Music Awards, I believe it was in the year 1998, <laughs> he used this classical song to be the intro to his performance. And it was like, you know, the whole world felt it. I bet you he because he used that song to intro the other song, it brought mm. it just brought him that much more closer to superstardom because if you remember he wasn't that big of a deal puff daddy before the notorious big passed away now i'm not saying he used the death to to shepherd in his own personal career i'm just saying that like one thing did definitely inform the other other people would disagree with me i think he was honoring his buddy and beyond that he loved hip hop music so i think that you know he he obviously he changed hip hop music forever puff daddy i mean the whole the whole that whole period of time is defined by uh a set of rules that he he created shiny suits really really bling blinging things out you know and then cash money records took the ball and ran with it so to speak which you know cash money cash money records basically you know took the ball with everything they're the reason we have Drake at this point, but beyond that, Little Wayne, obviously Nicki Minaj, and a bunch of other people. But it all started. It all started in the Bronx, in the late '60s, early '70s, and has gone global. It's the, you know, it's the most profitable pop culture thing. Think about it. Kanye West drops an album, he shuts down a stadium in in, in Atlanta, and he creates a magical experience that the whole world is waiting for. You know, the whole world is waiting for it. Our former president, Obama, is waiting for it. You know, this is hip-hop music. It's, it's, it's and, and so many people my age now, for like, for, you know, around 40 years old, oh, it's not like it used to be. And you're right, it isn't. It's much different. Because things evolve naturally. That's the process. And just like if you know anything about punk rock music, punk rock was not that melodic to begin with. You know, it was aggressive, angry thrashy right Simple chords mm-hmm. and then it evolved into pop punk music which evolved into what was called emo music for a while right because there was like an, a need for melody there was a need for feeling right and so if you look at the progression of that genre of music i think that's kind of what hip-hop's doing now there was a need for melody or more melody there were two genres there was r&b and there was hip-hop and now there's, it's kind of like the, the lines are as blurry as the syrup that the kids are drinking to make this music or some of the people that make this music. And I feel like the melodies, the slowness of it all is something you can get used to. The vernacular has changed, which is hard to, like, you can't stay hip <laughs> unless you try. Like, it's called hip hop, right? I heard someone say that recently. That's true. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you heard of the podcast Dissect? Where they break down songs and musical artists. Yes, I have. I think that's where I got the uh, that quote about that song that Puff Daddy used. Like there was oh. an episode about the science behind blowing people's minds with music. Yeah, they dedicate an entire season to just one album, and I I, I listened to most of Kanye's "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy" and just breaking down the the musical theory behind the beats and where they got the samples, and they break down every lyric and. You know, I've always heard, you know, Kanye is a great producer, but hearing why from a musical theory standpoint really made me appreciate it even more. Oh, yeah. My, that album, I mean, 
he brought in all these people to collaborate with. He does this with all of his albums, but I mean, orchestras and composers and John Bryan and all, you name it. It's, he understands that every form of art is a canvas, right? And so, and there's a lot of different painters. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. That album's insane. That's the best album in the last 10 years of, of any kind of music. Maybe it's 15 years. Yeah, 11 years now at this point. That's the, but yeah, it really is. It's the best album of the last 11 years, for sure. There's no question. There's no, there's no comparison, except for every My Chemical Romance album. Uh. <laughs> no offense to My Chemical Romance. I've seen them like four times, and they're really fun. Coheed and Cambria is pretty fucking cool, too. Actually, Ooh. Coheed and Cambria is cooler. Welcome home still gets me chills. Yeah, man. <laughs> Coheed and Cambria. I'm talking about like... Uh, well, I guess Coheed and Cambria is considered like progressive rock at this point, but they were an emo band, and so was My Chemical Romance, and they're both bands that play music inspired by comic books that the lead singers created, which My Chemical Romance also, the lead singer, Gerard Way, is also his com- the executive producer of the television show The Umbrella Academy, which is, oh, which was, which is his comic book. Uh, <laughs> and Claudio Sanchez from Coheed and Cambria his books are a little bit even more out there. The artwork isn't as good. No offense. Uh, Gerard Way went to like one of the best art schools in the world. But Claudio Sanchez writes better music. I mean, he's incredible. I mean, he and he's a weird dude to look at. <laughs> and he knows it. Right? He's still making music. He just came out with a side project that'll knock your fucking socks off. It's mm-hmm. called the, the Prize Fighter Inferno. It's fucking awesome. It's a little electronic. It's almost like they were like it's like a the postal service. As the postal service was to Death Cab for Cutie, the Prize Fighter Inferno is to Coheed and Cambria. And a lot of you listening might not know anything about this stuff, but I know a lot about shitty music. I love shitty music. And I, I, I am shitty music. You know what I mean? Like n- none of my friends really love I have great taste in hip hop. Everything else is shitty. He means shitty endearingly. <laughs> right. I don't think it's shitty. Other people do. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Have you ever. <laughs> I have the answer to your question. Let's do it. Uh, you know the Britney Spears song, Every Time? It's like a sad song. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would play that for the entire world. For the world, there for you the, go. That's, what I, that's one of my, You got to give me three. Every time, I'm sure every time we do this podcast, I'll have a different answer, but I would play that song. That okay, song well, we can revisit out. it and explore what would be a good thing for that. So <laughs> that'd be a good reoccurring topic. What would be really funny is if we shot a video of me listening to that song in a public place and crying. <laughs> oh, man, he's really in it. He's listening to Britney Spears' Every Time and Crying right now, and it's he's at Costco. <laughs> You're like holding a shampoo bottle. <laughs> I'm curled. I'm curled up on top of like the ro- the stack of like toilet paper rolls, <laughs> listening to Every Time by Britney Spears. And people are just people are just strolling by. Man, he's and I'm, I'm ripping the the bags open so the tears just fall right on top of the toilet paper. Dabbing your face with a full roll of toilet paper. <laughs> Man, and and you know what? Britney Spears needs more content that rejoices in her art right now because she needs. Oh man, she poor, needs, poor girl. Poor girl. I've never <laughs> had an issue with Britney Spears. Fucking the first time I saw her on TRL, I thought that like I was a man. I was a. I was like, oh, I'm officially a man. You're like, I'm, oh, attracted, I'm, that, I'm straight. I want that for the rest of my life. I want to. I, I, that's. I'm like, I'm a man now. That's. I want. I, I would love to be dancing with her. I want to learn those dance steps. 
Christina Aguilera just looked, uh, sounded more, I don't know, whatever. Britney Spears, <laughs> Britney Spears, I had a, the biggest crush on. I think every, every man my age and woman my age had a crush on her at the same time. And I'd love to buy her a cappuccino and tell her that she's going to be all right. Yeah, she needs, she needs some love. And the world is showing her a lot of love right now, which is good. Yeah, the right things will happen. The right things will happen. I mean, I think that's the, ultimately the lesson that I've, I've learned in life, that, that regardless of how you might feel in a moment, the right things will happen. <laughs> Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Matt McManus. That's MCM Anus. And this is my podcast, McMayhem, which obviously is a play on words and my last name. And I'd like you to come back and listen to me because A, I know you want to, and B, because I'm lonely. <laughs>